If any of you checked Facebook this morning, you would see kind of an ominous post from me that says, it is often or it's always dangerous and uncomfortable to tear up your sermon on Saturday night. (laughs) But sometimes it's necessary. And this is one of those Sundays, so this sermon might be a little more meandering than usual, might be a little bit more scattered, but it's a lot more from the heart. Because today is Father's Day, I decided about a week ago that I should start with a story about my dad. My dad grew up in Michigan, and in high school he got into water skiing and loved to water ski. And then he went off to college and kind of dropped the hobby. And then when I was in high school, he met a co-worker who really liked to water ski. And if you didn't know it, Tennessee has all sorts of lakes. And we went camping with his co-worker and his family, and my dad reignited his love for water skiing. And it's a love that he carries with him now today. He's retired on a private ski lake and skis almost every day. In fact, he's got a hobby of skiing the first day of the year, no matter what the weather's like. It's a lot easier to do when you live in Mississippi than when you live in Illinois or in Maryland. But I remember one of the times when we were first getting into water skiing, and we were on Percy Priest Lake, a lake in Tennessee. And we decided to just go for a joyride in the boat, riding around, and out of nowhere when those afternoon thunderstorms came upon us. If you guys were around last night, you know much of these afternoon storms I'm talking about. And before this point, I had really enjoyed being around boats and being on a boat, but it was one of the most terrifying experiences I'd ever been. You would not believe how the wind could move a boat, how the rain could pool so quickly. And the boats today are so much better built than the boats during the day of Jesus. So I can only imagine the fear that the disciples were filled with as the winds knocked their boat back and forth, as the water filled it, as the waves crashed against it. And to their amazement, there was Jesus in the stern of the boat, sound asleep. Of course he was asleep. He'd been dealing with crowds all day. He'd been healing and teaching and preaching. He was exhausted. But they woke him up. They said, don't you care about us? Don't you care if we perish? And Jesus woke up and said, peace. And the winds and the seas were stilled. And the disciples were left in awe. They said, who is this man that even the waves and the wind obey him? At the beginning of the week, I was going to talk about how Jesus can still the storms of our lives. But as I was working on that, something didn't seem true to it. After all, we have names such as Katrina, such as Andrew, such as Sandy that stick in our minds. Tell people who lived through the devastation of those storms that Jesus can calm the storms. And they would ask, why didn't He? Why was there flooding? Why was, there, why was our house lost? Why did we lose loved ones? I thought, well, maybe it's more of the metaphorical storms, the storms within our lives, that Jesus can calm those storms. But then there's still tragedy. We still lose parents, brothers, sisters, friends, children, to car accidents, to cancer, to disease. And there are still storms in our lives.
But in the midst of those tragedies, in the midst of that heartache, I think that is where we can find peace. I think this passage is telling us not that Jesus will stop what is going around us, but that Jesus offers a place where we can find peace, where we can find comfort, where we can find solace. When we're fighting tumult, when we're fighting terror, when we're fighting heartbreak and mourning, we could take our burdens to Christ. We could give them over to Him. The hymn we're going to close with today is uh, When Peace Like a River, or better known as It Is Well With My Soul. And if you're not familiar with this song, it was written by a man named Horatio, and I just went blank on his last name, Spafford. I've been wanting to say Stafford all morning. Horatio Spafford. And Horatio Spafford was a very wealthy businessman, very influential And he had a wife and four daughters and a son, and his son died suddenly. And so he decided that him and his family needed to go on a European vacation. So they decided to take a ship across the Atlantic, because that's the only way you could cross the Atlantic at the time. And at the last minute, business came up that delayed him. So he sent his wife and his four daughters ahead. And as they traveled, there was a shipwreck, and his four daughters were killed. Within weeks, he lost all five of his children. The next week, he had to travel to be with his wife. And he had to take a ship on the very same passage. And he was able to see the wreckage of the ship where his children were lost. And as he passed through that, he began to write the lyrics to the song, It is well with my soul. Because he knew that Christ gave him a peace Christ gave him a place that he can go. That even though he was lost and hurt and heartbroken, he knew that his daughter's death was not the end, that he would see them again. He knew that because he had an active relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think that's important. That's why Jesus is asleep in the passage. Because when he's asleep, the storm rages on. It's not until the disciples wake him up, not until the disciples engage him, that the calm comes upon them. We have to be engaged with Jesus Christ. We have to have good theology before the tragedy strikes. Because in the midst of tragedy, you don't want to sort out what it means. But if you understand before, then you can find that peace. You can find that comfort. That doesn't mean that the tragedy won't strike. That doesn't mean there won't be heartbreak and pain. And that's it. That's what the sermon was going to be this week. But then the events of Wednesday evening happened. Then the shooting in Charleston South Carolina. And I read about it first thing Thursday morning. First place I saw it was on Facebook. One person posted it. And then someone else posted it. And by the end of the day, everyone was sharing it. And this tragedy was everywhere. That one man walked into uh, Emmanuel uh, Zion Church 
and sat down with a group of people for Bible study and then opened fire, killing nine of them. And my heart broke. And I wept and I mourned and I prayed and I wrestled with what to do with it. And I realized that it fits into this passage perfectly. Because if ever there was a storm, this is a storm. If ever there was time when we needed peace, when we needed comfort, this is it. And so we turn to God, our Creator, asking why. We turn to Christ, seeking answers, seeking peace, seeking comfort. I've read recently that the families of the victims have forgiven the killer, the shooter. More than that, they've prayed that he accept Jesus so that God can forgive them. Because of their active engagement with Jesus Christ, they were able to find peace enough to forgive the man that killed their loved ones. And they are better people than me. Because I'm not there yet. But because of their relationship with Christ, they are able to find some level of comfort. Some level of peace. But then something else struck me about this passage. That it ends too soon. This ends that fourth chapter of Mark. If we read the fifth chapter of Mark, it says they come to the other side. So the disciples are in the boat in the middle of the sea, crossing the sea. The storm comes across them. And Jesus stands up and says, Peace and the storm is gone. The wind and the sea is calm. But it doesn't end there. There is still work to be done. They still have to get to the other side. They still have to row the boat, to move the boat, to sail the boat, however they moved this boat. And that's something we have to take from the events in Charleston this past week. We have to see it as a call to action, that there is work to be done. That we are a broken people living in a broken society. Paul writes that in Christ there is no Greek nor Jew nor slave nor no slave nor free man. No black nor white nor Asian nor any other color. For we are all one in Christ. But we live in a society that doesn't act that way. We live in a society that enables people like this young man to have rage built up in them. And it's time that it stops. And it's time that we do something about it. There's a term that I've completely forgotten. I was trying to remember this morning about the younger generations and their fake activism on Facebook. That their version of activism is liking and sharing an article so that their friends can see it and equally get cyber outraged and then go on with their lives. But we have to do more than that. We have to come together as a people of God. We have to come together as Christ's people and seek to heal this divide. 
And this is where the sermon breaks down. Because I don't know what the next step is. But I know there are small steps we can take. Many people have tried to rebrand the events in Charleston as something other than not. It's a war on Christianity, and that is not true. It had nothing to do with their faith and everything to do with their race. They try to say, oh, well, he was mentally ill. Maybe, maybe not, but he was also poisoned by the rhetoric that goes into our lives that we hear each and every day. He heard we must take back our country because we have a black man in the White House and he was trying to take back our country for himself. And those are small steps we can do. We can speak out against the rhetoric. We don't have to agree with the president, his policies. There's plenty of reasons not to like him, but his race is not one of them. When we see people treated wrongly because of the way they look or the way they talk or where they're from, we should speak out against it. To remain silent against injustice is to participate in that injustice. And so we have to call these events as what they are, an act of white supremacy terrorism. Such as the bombings of the church as we saw in the civil rights eras. Such as the lynchings and the mobs. We need to speak out against injustice. And we need to reach out in love. And we need to say we will not stand for it anymore. There are storms in our lives. There are painful moments. There are tragedies. Both personal and on a community-wide basis. And through an active relationship with Christ, we can find peace. We can find comfort. But even when Jesus calmed the storm, it doesn't stop there. There is still work to be done. So let us pray for the people of Charleston, the victims in that tragic shooting. And let us remember them and let us talk about them. But let us remember that the peace that we may find is not the end, that we are called to action. We are called to do something about it in whatever context we might find ourselves, wherever God places us. Because we are all created in God's image. And we are all God's children. Amen.